0: Much appreciated. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on a presentation this morning. I think everyone wants to really get at the Q&A, so um, there's probably want a few issues that you want to deal with. Um, look, it's been a challenging year over the last 12 months. We've had um, a lot of supply chain issues out there. Inflationary pressures, um, labour, fuel, parts, consumables, everything's been on the move and trying to get equipment into Australia has Continues to be reasonably difficult. Um, we got suppliers making commitments, and um, they just don't deliver. So we've dealt with all of that, um, and we've. Uh, but I think the good news is that we've we've got a strong track record of being able to understand what it costs to build a project. We've never yet run over, um, and we're not about to. So over the next 12 months, my focus is on delivering the lithium. So we're. Uh, doing a lot of work around that that we'll talk about. We're building up 35 million tonnes of um, iron ore on the Onslow project, which is a great um, long-life, low-cost project. Um, We're developing gas. We've found a lot of gas, and uh, we're a strong believer in gas over the next 30 or 40 years. And our mining services business naturally follows along when uh, all of those opportunities present. So I'll just quickly run through a few highlights, and then uh, Mark will come up and uh, take us through the financials. And then I'll give you a bit of a, an overview of where I'm going over the next um, three to five years with the business. Um, headlines, you've seen the numbers. I mean, the numbers are OK. We've, um, we've had a, a reasonably strong performance in production, but we did miss our targets. We acknowledge that. We had some issues around the lithium and a lot of rock that we've got to move. Um, EBITDA, um, quite respectable. Good cash conversion. Finished the year with $1.4 billion in the bank. Um, Net debt, about $1.9 billion, so again, we're We're in good shape for uh, future growth. We've got about another $620 million due in from Albemarle once we um, close the deal and we get the FIRB approval, Um, so again, I mean, very robust balance sheet as we've always had. Second half dividend, $0.70, so total of $1.90 for the year. Our ROIC, um, 17 years at 20 plus percent um, return consistently. We've got about 3 billion, as you know, parked up sitting out there on these projects we're developing that isn't earning cash. Um, that those earnings will start in earnest from about the end of this year as the lithium really ramps up to its full potential and um, about June next year when the, um, the iron ore starts contributing. So sitting down around December of 24, we're looking to move that rower cup about up to around 25-26%, so um, fairly healthy. Um, mining services volumes were impacted a little bit. We've had it again by delays that were unexpected, getting uh, approvals uh, on some of the projects uh, difficult. Uh, but good news with that, we've had six new contracts and uh, four contracts that have been renewed. And we again won the Rio Contractor of the Year Award worldwide. Um, they have only ever done that twice in the history. They did it in 2012. Um, we won it then, and uh, we went along to a, the Grand Ballroom with 1,200 delegates, and we were the, the winners again. Pretty tough. I mean, we do a lot of work for these guys, and we're, we're fairly large on site. When, to have a large presence and to have that uh, view by your clients quite exceptional, something we're very proud of. Um, the iron ore production has been steady uh, We've improved the product quality um, All of the approvals are now through on, on slow iron So that's sort of full steam ahead And, and we're making really good progress on that project um, Mount Marion, overshot on the expansion at uh, Mount Marion It took us about six months longer than we were hoping for um, But again, just getting equipment in from, uh, from offshore um, we've got a couple of major cutbacks running on Wodgin and Mount Marion, so we're taking the pain there and we're taking the tops off those mountains. So um, it's about a 12-month process. We've got about 100 bits of yellow gear out there pulling that back, um, and it's it's going fairly well, um, but challenging. So we're we're moving that cutback while we're operating with the uh, the mining operations. Um, Lithium market, we all know changed. Um, We've had um, some issues out there with the pricing. I mean, everyone's concerned about price coming down. I mean, I've spent most of my time with lithium around 400 bucks a tonne, and we're getting 3,500. So, you know, you wonder what the problem is, but um, it's still a very healthy, healthy business. Mount Marion, we put a couple of drill rods down. We got inquisitive. We, I drilled Marion out in 2010 to earn 30% of the deposit then. As soon as I spent the required capital, I stopped. We put four more drill holes down under the pit about four months ago, and we hit what we call the feeder. So um, it's about 50 metres wide, and uh, we chased it down about 800 metres. We suspect that it goes somewhere down towards the centre of the earth, so there's a lot of lithium sitting under there. We'll we'll develop that out a lot more over the next 12 or so months. Um, We renegotiated the deal that we had with um, Gangfang, of course, Hydroxide was crashing um, quicker than um, Spod, so um, we pulled up on that. We make, actually make more mo- money at the moment selling Spod Direct than trying to convert it. Um, we've always remained flexible in that regard with our products. We don't have long-term contracts, so we can, um, we can um, manoeuvre when the market changes. And, of course, I renegotiated the Albemarle agreement yet again. Um, we're now at 50% of Wajina. We're completely out of Kemerton and um, we are not investing a billion dollars in China. Um, in energy, we had a pretty good time with that. We've uh, bored four holes up in the Perth Basin. Um, three of them have got um, substantial gas in them, um, and one of them's got hot water. Uh, uh, people and safety. Tragically, we had a small contractor that come on um, our site out at Cairnsboro, um, um, and they were putting the uh, the bitumen on the airstrip and um, we tragically lost um, a young guy out there. Um, it was tough. I was up up on site early the next morning with a, um, a team of uh, people to help support our, our staff out there with the trauma. Um, it was something that um, you don't ever forget. It's being investigated by the police and um, um, the mines department. It'll take some time before we get the results of that. We've done an internal investigation um Getting access to some of the contractors' people has been a little difficult, but we're, we're still working on it. been strongly supporting um, the young guy, Kieran, um, his partner, and he had two young boys, and we've put in a, um, um, a scholarship, so we're providing education for those two boys until they get to Year 12, and then we're going to put them either through uni or apprenticeship, and um, hopefully they'll, they'll be working with us. Tripper... Um, we're in good shape, 2.08. We're at industry low standards. I mean, it's, um, it's quite incredible when you can consider I've got thousand people out there now throwing rocks around all day and um, we've managed to make sure that we don't even have a Band-Aid. So um, our safety people and our training people have done an exceptional job. Um, well-being around our people, really important. We're creating environments for our people that are very different in the mining industry. We've um, recreated the environment in our head office that we ask people to work in. Um, I have a no work-from-home policy unless it's for um, health reasons or or something significant, which I've always had around for the last 20 years, but, I mean, I expect people to come in and collaborate. As we all know, most of our people in the mining industry cannot work from home. Pretty hard to drive a dump truck or a digger from there. Um, If we have any entitled people that want to work um, three days a week and get paid for five they're not welcome with MinRes. Um, but we've got a pretty amazing uh, workforce and uh, um, it works well. If you've been to our head office you'll see the environment. They come in in the morning and they don't need for anything during the day. I'm carrying that out to site into uh, resort style um, accommodation so we're upgrading our villages and we're, all the new villages are going to be able to um, cater for couples. Um, attracting new people um, is something that's getting much easier for us now with those sort of facilities we're putting in um, and the culture that we have in the business which is very strong so over the last year we've grown by 45% in um, number of people so as I said headcount now about 7 and a quarter thousand full time people 21 we had 550 women on the payroll um, in 23 we got 1300 once we opened these um, camps up at Onslow Line in Cairnsboro Um, That is going to accelerate rapidly. Environment, decarbonisation. um, WA, we're a tier one um, part of the world. We've got probably the best safety standards in the world. We're the most ethical. We understand that we manage the environment extremely well. I mean, we are probably the best in the world at what we do, and it's something that we're proud of, but we work hard on. We're all committed in the mining industry to to get to net zero by 2050. I mean, there's a lot of challenges ahead of us to get there. Um, No one's producing any green juice at the Bowser yet, so we're doing what we can to uh, make sure we decarbonise everywhere we go. So we're basically looking at natural gas and solar are the prime source of power that we're trying to change over, and we're trying to eliminate diesel wherever we can. That's sort of the short-to-medium-term focus. We've installed... a a battery system and a big solar farm out on the Wanmana site Um, that's live now, it reduces our diesel burn by about um, three quarters of a million litres a year head office of course is carbon neutral with a platinum well rating Um, water, we've got a big focus on water and water reduction so um, we've reduced our overall water um, across the board by about 4.2% through being able to recycle it better Um, And we're dry stacking all our tailings now down at uh, Mount Marion, um, something I spoke to a year or so ago where I want to get most of our tailings that we have wherever we can to get them dry stacked so much better environmentally. So look, I'm going to hand over to Mark and uh, he'll walk you through the financials.
1: Thanks Chris and good morning everybody, pleasure to be here. Um, to walk you through the MinRES results for FY23. As Chris said, a reasonably strong financial performance for the year. Uh, I've been very pleased by the cash performance in particular. Business performed evenly um, through both halves, but the cash, particularly in the second half, was very strong. I'm gonna go through this reasonably quickly so we can get to the questions, but I wanna emphasize we're investing for the future the investments we're making are in high quality assets that are gonna deliver a substantial amount of cash for decades to come. Sitting in the business, there's a lot of optionality. A lot of optionality that the market may not understand. A lot of flexibility for us to be able to pull levers as we need to, to support the growth going forward. I wanna emphasize that. Turning to the P&L. Underlying performance, this is pre-impairments. has been very strong year on year, as you can see there. Driven by lithium, record contribution, 1.3 billion of EBITDA in the lithium business. It's 2.3 times up um, out of the growth out of Marion and Wajina. Iron ore was 185 million of EBITDA for the year, which was a solid performance in the face of some pretty significant cost pressures that Chris mentioned earlier mining services contribution was $484 million of EBITDA. And that was, an, that was a result that was impacted by timing of award of new contracts and also some of those cost pressures. The um, EBITDA per tonne in the mining services came in at $2, which is pretty much where we expect it to be, which was a solid performance. Underlying impact was $769 million, and as Chris said, a, a fully frank dividend, final dividend of $0.70. Cents, um, taking total for the year to $1.90. Next slide, I won't dwell on, just shows drivers um, on the year-on-year performance. You can see there the impact of both higher costs, but also higher commodity prices through the business. In terms of the impairments, uh, as always, we assessed our asset values at the end of the year, lower plats, higher costs cause us to um, choose to impair the iron ore operations in the Yulgarn and at Utah Point, 552 million after tax. That's a non-cash charge, of course. Has no impact on our debt covenants. I just want to emphasize those assets have been fantastic assets for this business over, for over a decade. We estimate that the return on invested capital they've generated is something like 26% even after the impairment. They delivered hundreds of millions of dollars of free cash last year and we expect them to continue to deliver free cash into the future. They provide significant optionality for us also. In terms of the operating, sorry, the cash flow statement, I've talked in the past and I'll emphasise again, this business has got a very strong record of cash conversion from its operations. Effectively it was 100% this year in terms of um, operating cash flow underpinned by a very strong second half performance, as I said earlier. Co-sustaining um, CapEx, interest and in tax, the, um, the cash flow was at a, over a billion. i I've Included this next slide to pick up on one of the points that Chris made earlier. The invested capital, in, in, as we think of it in the business, has grown over the last three years from 2.2 billion to 5.3 billion the investment that sits within that growth in projects like Onslow and others are not contributing to our cash generation at the moment. But as Chris said, as we grow out the lithium expansion and as Onslow comes on middle of next year, you'll see the ROIC generated out of those projects kick up significantly. FY23 capex. Came in about 500 million less than we guided earlier in the year, primarily because we're no longer investing in China, as Chris mentioned earlier. We're a little bit slower to get started because of approvals at Onslow, so we, we underspend at Onslow. A little bit more spend at Wagener as we've started to accelerate the removal of that hill next to us. In terms of the balance sheet, calling out the uh, strong liquidity at the end, billion four of cash, 400 million of undrawn facilities, so 1.8 billion of liquidity. As Chris mentioned, we're expecting in the final quarter of this calendar year to receive between 380 million and 400 million US um, from Albemarle as we finalise that transaction, which remains only subject to FERB approval. Net debt waterfall, next slide takes you through how we get to the closing net debt of 1.8 billion, Um, as I said earlier, strong cash flow and strong investment, basically. In terms of our credit metrics, I'll just spend a minute on this because I think it's important that you understand how the company thinks about our credit position. We finished the year at 1.1 times net debt, 1.8 times gross debt. We've got very strong support from the debt capital markets. Our bonds have traded exceptionally well um, since we last went to the market in April last year in a period of rising rates. The debt market understands what we're trying to do. First maturities 2027 on the bonds. We expect to be generating significant cash out of those assets that are coming online for the next 12 months, the expanded lithium assets and the iron ore asset at Onslow. I've included a slide here to share with you how we think about capital allocation. The, the business has a strong track record over three decades led by Chris in managing its balance sheet, the way it thinks about capital. We do not blow up capital. That's why we've been able to generate the returns we've been able to generate over those decades. We think about the balance sheet every day. We think about how we allocate capital every day. Sitting in the business are a number of levers that we have available to us to pull to help fund the growth. One of those which we've done consistently is to recycle capital. Most recent example of that is the Kemerton transaction as part of the Albemarle deal. In terms of guidance for next year, iron ore largely in line with where we are in the year just gone, um, costs up a little bit in the Yulgarn. In terms of wadjana, sorry, in terms of lithium, we've got spodium in growth at Marion and and wadjana, 40% and 30% respectively. Um, In terms of mining services, expect volumes to come back to where we expected them to be, up 10 to 15 percent, and we expect the margins there to still be sitting between the $1.80 to $2.00 a tonne historical performance. Finishing on CapEx for the current year, big investment in Onslow. Um, Some of that spend has been brought into this year from last year because of the delays with the approvals. Just pause for a moment on the gas there. So gas, that number there that you see is contingent on where we get to with government policy. Chris will talk about this a little bit more um, in his next session. If we can't get to a reasonable outcome with the WA government, that number will come down possibly by half. Um, But if we can get, and this is in the context of being able to export gas, um, if we can get to a reasonable outcome, we might add $50 to that number next year, or this, sorry, this new year. As I said, I wanted to go through that quickly. Lots of time for Q&A after this. I'll hand back now to Chris, and he'll take you through the outlook for the business. Thanks.
0: Okay, um, look briefly I'll just run through the um, the operational performance of the um, of the business I mean it is a and I'm sure you appreciate it, it's a bit of a moving target we've got uh, four pillars sitting inside the business um, all of them have got great assets in them and um, and we are growing the business as I said last time I done a presentation I mean the um, the business is doubling over the next couple of years so um, hence the reason why we're always busy Um where do we start? As I said earlier, there's been a lot of pressure around costs, trying to manage them, making sure that we, uh, on one side, we're trying to get labour and balance it, um, and on the other, trying to manage the cost of that labour. Um, it's a juggling act. And all of the uh, yellow goods now, I mean, we're constantly getting increases in yellow goods that 10 12 15% a year, um, and they just come out of nowhere unexpectedly. Um, we've been able to manage all of that mining services are able to make sure that they pass that on to our clients and that's shared in the right way so margins there aren't eroding so all of that's re- gone reasonably well. Lithium as I said earlier we got two of the best tier one assets in the world I mean it, it's rare to get to own those sort of assets um, they need a lot more drilling put into them not in my lifetime there's plenty there for the next 20 or 30 years but we will be drilling them out over the next year or two Um, As I said earlier, we're ramping up at um, both the sites and that's going reasonably well. In terms of our costs, um, our costs are more than double um, what they would be ordinarily when we're running and the reason for that simply is that we've got all of that gear up there and we're expensing all that pre-strip as we go. So um, our costs, once we get that um, strip complete, will be under 500 a ton on both sites. Wagener, um has ramped up extremely well we've uh, we've got a lot of work done there and uh, do, doing a lot of work around recoveries but again I mean that's gone exceptionally well we've um, we got about three months of delay again with um, on part of that cutback. we couldn't get into half the mountain so that gave us a little bit of pain um, but during the year we also for the first time we started selling chemicals so we sold seven uh, seven thousand three ton of hydroxide um, iron ore Pretty flat and boring, not a lot happening with it. Um, uh, It went reasonably well. It contributes good cash to the business. The two iron ore hubs that we run, they're high cost. We started out with um, the dregs of the industry and uh, we've been able to grow in where we're heading now with um, um, Onslow Iron. I'll be able to talk about that more later. But, look, the Yilgan and the, um, the iron ore up in the Pilbara continue to make money every month, so as long as they're making money, we'll keep them operating. Um, Utah hub, we had a few issues down there around um, port handling and um, issues with the with the port, but I um, mean that's sort of all back to normal. Um, and uh, on so on we've spent about uh, almost 900 million. I don't know whether that, that's a badge of honour or not, but we're trying to get three billion out the door, and as soon as we do, we'll be done. Um, mining services has run pretty well. We had a few hiccups in there. We've come off one of the big contracts early. We didn't finish... Sorry, we didn't get terminated. We finished it early, so we've um, done really well for our client. Um, a lot of that gear came over onto the, um, the, uh, the lithium on these two mountains. Um, during the year, um, 100% retention, very, very unusual for Minres to ever lose a contract. Um, it's happened to us twice in um, 31 years. Um, we have had... Um, Six new contracts were picked up this year and, and that's, it, it's an exceptional year and we've got probably three or four more out there in the pipeline. These are all decent sort of round crushing their 10, 15, 25 million tonne contracts. So we're adding real value. Um, we've also um, had a couple of uh, plants. My very first iron ore plant I put into, um, into the industry up in the Pilbara. Um, it finally, it was a six year contract for five million tonne a year. It went for about 18 years, and it was 10 million tonne a year, and, I mean, the plant doesn't know us much. i got another one on another site with the same client. They've just decided we're going to turn them back on again for the next decade, so, you know, sometimes you just get lucky. Um, Crushing and processing. We've got three new plants we are just recently commissioned. We've got 26 of those crushing plants running in WA now. Um, that next gen technology we've developed over the last decade is quite phenomenal, I mean just to to give you an understanding of the quality of those plants I mean we can put 30 million tons of crushing capacity on the ground in about 4 or 5 months Uh, we can do it for less than quarter the traditional um, type of plant um, less than half the people to run it and it'll last 20, 30, 40 years so it's high value to our, our clients and um, the reason why we win so much work. Construction has gone reasonably well. The, the other little secret that we have in our business, we're the only mining company probably in the world that's got um, design, engineering in-house and construction. So we own all our own construction people, our equipment, um, and we know how to build projects. I mean, that's the core of where we come from and that's another secret to be able to be successful in mining services. You've got to get those plants built at the right capital base. You screw that up. Um, and you're out of pocket forever. So construction's gone well. We've um, trained uh, train three early in the year up at Wadgena. um They brought that on and commissioned it. Um, we're running that alternatively with trains one and two. Uh, Mount Marion, they got that expansion done finally. Um, still a little bit to do down there. Um, haulage, so we've developed, and if you paid attention to the, the pictures, um, those big road trains, they're developed by Minres. Um, they're proprietary. Uh, a lot of proprietary information and knowledge has gone into them, but they move 330 tonne payloads, so for less than four cents per tonne per kilometre, we are moving dirt from inland to the, um, to the port. So about five and a half dollars a tonne to get our dirt from Onslow, or from Cairnsmore into the port into Onslow. So we started building them specifically just for the Onslow job. They have a dedicated road. There's no interaction with traffic whatsoever. Um, we're going to be driverless by the time we get there. We've got about four of them running driverless now, but we've got the drivers sitting in them. Um, that means that when we go to so there's about 500 people we don't need. And more important than the, labor, the saving on the labour is the safety. We've got no humans on that road, so um, quite phenomenal. We're aiming within the next three years to have them fully electric. So we're going to have basically trains on rubber wheels. Uh, where else? Just one more thing on them. We were going to build about 140 of them for on, so that was the plan. Um, we've got about 51 built now, so they're progressively coming out. By the way, they're all built in Western Australia in uh, three workshops in WA, so we, wherever we can, we're manufacturing local to keep our jobs in, um, in Australia, which is really important as well. But we've got can't say exactly how many, but I think we've got somewhere in the order of about 30 out on long-term contracts now with our Tier 1 um, mining companies. And these things have really been quite a hit to be able to move dirt um, as quickly as we can. So uh, a big winner for us. And marine, we've started our little marine division. We've ordered five trans-shippers. You saw them, the first one coming off the slipway up in um, the Costco yard up in China. Um, we've now got two off the slipway. Um There was three more to, to follow, there's actually four now I just ordered another one a couple of weeks ago So um, More about that when we get to the iron ore Those, by the way too When you look at those transhippers, don't think they're expensive When we're running Onslow It'll be our lowest cost port on the west coast So um, h- Highly accredited on the On the dollars And energy, look we've we're developing energy. We're bullish on the fact that we need clean energy. We've got to get away from diesel. We've got to get away from coal-fired power. Um, I've heard some people occasionally say that um, we've got to get away from gas. Well, good luck with that because, I mean, Australia right now is make burning coal to make most of its power, and if we can get that converted out to gas, I mean, I suspect that gas will be around for the next um, 40 or 50 years. Um, it's really not our enemy. It's our friend in terms of a transition to We've got a lot of gas down the holes in in both um, Erigala and uh, Lockyer. Lockyer was a monster find. It was one of the better ones done in Australia. Uh, North Erigala looks like it's bigger. So we're working towards figuring out um, how we can develop those. We've got about 7,300 square kilometres of land in the uh, Perth Basin, so most prospective gas country in Australia, um, and we're the largest landholder up there. We've got a fairly intensive program. Carnarvon Basin, we just recently bought out our partner, Buru Energy, they had 25%. We've bought them out. We think that's a very highly prospective area up there as well. It's right in the heartland of our Onslow project um, and it's right beside Pipeline, so um, we're going to work on that in earnest. So that's sort of where we're at for the year. Um, I'll just give you a bit of a rundown on uh, where we're heading, where I'm taking the business over the next sort of two to five years, so mining services, look basically from the beginning of this year to end of 24 calendar year 24, the business is going to double and how do we do that so we've got a bunch of what you guys call external contracts so out there with a lot of clients we look like we're spreading out over to Queensland um, and possibly up into the Northern Territory with some of our hardware Um, and that's all just by demand and that's sort of um, equipment we've got is is in demand and um, our clients love it um, we used to say that we were a, a pit to port contractor we're in a pit to ship so we're unique in that sense we're the only ones in the world that can take iron ore or any sort of commodity out of the ground process it um, take it into the coast and um, put it on a ship and we can pretty much do that worldwide now so it's something that we're sort of Pushing, Um, I'm not pushing the worldwide bit right at the moment because we've got a bit on our our plate, as you know, and I've got to kind of get through to about the middle of next year so we can breathe a little bit and have the cash pouring in. Um, We're also in the mining services business going forward. I mean, aside from all those things you know that we do, we're sort of really starting to... We're getting into the rehab quite a bit with a couple of our larger clients, so we're out there doing quite a lot of rehab work, which is... It's a good thing. I mean, we're um, we are we're very, very good at it. We've opened up a technology centre over the last 18 months. We've got a pilot plant. We're doing a lot of lab test work um, around tailings. There's an awful lot of metal and material in tailings dams right around Australia and we've had some very good breakthroughs on how to be able to separate and get some uh, quality product out of some of those uh, big dams. As I said on the workshops, we are the largest workshop owner in WA. We've got 120,000 square metres under cover at the moment, and we're about to develop another 160,000, so just growing our capability on being able to do maintenance and manufacturing and making sure that we're making everything that we can in, um, in WA. Um, our safety record with our innovations makes us in high demand with our customers, next gen crushers have been a huge hit and they just keep getting better and better Um, they're world class um, and highly sought after outside of Australia as well as um, around road trains as I said are going well, train shippers um, we've got uh, under control and we are looking at um, um, a lot of uh, a lot of equipment coming online over the next 18 months. So, um, the lithium overview. Um, not a lot more to say about that. I'll probably um, continue to do what we're doing. We're going to get um, train one and two. They'll be getting fresh ore um, by late this year, 100%. We're getting days now where we're getting quite a lot more fresh ore than we expected. So, we've got those plants are pumping out um, on a regular basis. So I'm seeing 1,800 to 2,000 tonne a day. Coming out of uh, um, those two trains um, They're sitting on about 330,000 tonne a year run rate That's spasmodic We're not going to be able to count on those sort of numbers Till we get around November, December But then we'll get them long term Train three will come online in um, January um, We'll ramp that through We've still got more rock to move So count on that ramping up over about a five or six month period But come um, June next year um, Wadgenre will be doing about a million tonnes of 6% SPOD. Uh, Mount Marion's right behind it and, uh, it's really coming into its straps. The last couple of weeks was really starting to get the, uh, the separation working. Uh, and understand these are the most complicated plants of all the commodities I've ever seen out of copper or zinc or nickel or uh, iron ore is always pretty easy, but these are really complicated. They're difficult, so bringing the plants online takes time. Uh, but both of them are working well. Strategy, um, we kind of make it up as we go along, as you can imagine. I mean, but one thing we do is we don't get. Tied down to any take or pay contracts, we don't get tied to any long term until we understand where the value is. And we've always been able to flex and twist and make sure that we're capturing the right sort of prices. We've had moments last year where we were selling um, hydroxide for eighty-one thousand dollars a ton. We were probably the only ones in the industry that were doing that. Um, I'd love to see those days come back again. Um, I think. Um, Look, We're doing a whole range of different things on these plants to make them more productive. I mean, we're certainly getting, um, we're seeing the, um, the recovery rates coming up in a mud. I mean, on average you would be lucky if you're getting 50% recovery going back sort of a year or so ago, and that's about the performance of most. A lot aren't even getting that. What that means is that you put um, 1.6% in the plant and you're tailing 08 Um That's the way it's been for a long, long time. The The lithium business in hard rock is very primitive. Um, It hasn't been around that long, so we're doing a lot of work around uh, um, how to make sure that we can um, get a lot more out of it. I mean, our aim is to get up around 80% recovery. That's a few years away, but um, it's something we're working on pretty hard. Downstreaming. Everyone wants to know what our strategy is on, on our downstream. I mean, it's quite simple what we're doing. We're running some studies at the moment. We want to upgrade um, our spod from 6% up to 25 30% concentrate. So then um, we are running either a carbonate or a sulfate. Um, we're doing the work around that. That means that this stuff doesn't have a shelf life. Hydroxide has a shelf life. I mean, you've got to package it. Um, you've got to handle it with a lot of key. You've got to keep oxygen away from it. Um, what we would like to do is go carbonate sulfate and then we are talking to the OEMs, so our customers are going to be the OEMs, the car manufacturers. Um, we don't want to get involved with the battery manufacturers or the the tollers. Um, what we are doing is uh, uh, um, we're not investing in China. I mean, I had a commitment to put a billion dollars in there and then I just simply pivoted from that and just didn't go there. Um, China and um, Australia have had some issues in the past that's high risk for us um, and I don't want to go there and I want to be able to go directly with our product in Australia. We've got the most ethical product in the world. I mean anything, anything coming out of Western Australia is more sought after than any other product that comes out of South America um, or Africa and that's what they want. So I want to be able to go direct to the OEMs. We're talking to them. Um, we're talking to the head of um, a range of different um, vehicle manufacturers. They're very keen to, to get something vetted down, but we're taking our time because there is no rush. We want to make sure we get the right deals done. I mean, we're selling our product now for full, full value. So going forward, too, it's actually cheaper to go into China if you want a toll treat, and there's a lot of dirt getting told in China. China actually goes and builds hydroxide plants without any offtake, and, I, I mean, pretty gutsy. But there's plenty of tolling available in China, so we can actually toll over there for a less cost than building and operating our own plants. So that's the reason I don't want to be. It's really simple. It's just a money thing, the reason I'm I'm not building anywhere at the moment. But when we do build, I'm hoping it's in Australia. If we can't get around that with the capital and the help from the government, then we'll build somewhere in Southeast Asia. Um, And then we'll be able to... We want to make sure that that's aligned with the, the UK um, and the uh, North American markets and, and um, we will um, probably finish it off tolling out there. We, we've been made offers where we can get um, free carry um, in hydroxide plants in both Europe and, um, um, and the UK and I think the same opportunity is available. I mean, there's a huge amount of capital available out of those areas now from the government and they're not loans, I mean they're grants. So we'll probably have, by the time we get to about December we'll have a very clear view on who we're dealing with and what we're going to build and we'll be able to make some more announcements hopefully around um, AGM time or maybe a bit beyond that. So more to come on that. Um, Where are we going on iron ore? Um, Onslow is our focus. We've got two key focuses. We've got Onslow line and then way down the track beyond that, we're up in the Pilbara on that berth three. We've got a joint venture with um, Mrs. Reinhardt and Hancock. So we've got um, a berth, last Cape Carrier berth in Port Hedland, uh, 40 million tonnes, so that's shared between us. And I've also got um, 20 million tonnes of capacity on the, uh, the Roy Hill rail for for life. So very good partnership I've got with um, Hancock. Um, That's going to take some time. It's probably um, a year and a half before we start spending any sort of money on that. Um, And by that time we'll be halfway through the ramp-up and um, and on. So so what am I looking for down and on? So we're going to have first ore on ship around June next year. The ramp-up period there from the first 12 months we'll be hitting nameplate around 35 million tonnes within 12 months. I'm hoping to get it a bit sooner, but count on taking the full 12. 18 to 24 months out, we'll be at 40 million tonnes. And then we have got a pathway to go from 40 out to 50. Now, I'm I'm guessing on that one, so beyond the 40, probably about another 18 months, and we'll be there with another 10 million tonnes. Higher quality products, so we'll be blending all of that. Um, And... Um, the more tonnes obviously we put over this the, the less the um, the unit cost is. but uh, it's a great project for those that don't know with the Onso Iron Project it's a joint venture um, at the mine site where the ore is um, and that's a JV Minera they got 60.3% of that um, the balance is between um, Baowu uh, from China POSCO and AMCI from the US so they have 40% roughly 39.5% from the gate at the mine all the way in, so the road, the haulage, the crushing, the port is all owned by Minres 100%. So we own that supply chain, and we own obviously the train shippers. That turns into a uh, mining service, great mining services contract that lasts, you know, beyond 50 years. And the um, obviously owning the uh, the road is um, quite an asset and uh, something we're looking at at the moment. It's um, the time we finish these sort of assets they become a bit lazy and they're sitting there with capital tied up so we're going to have a look and see what we can do with those kind of assets going forward um, Mark's going to get that done before Christmas at least yes um, so that's, that's basically it's the core of our iron ore business going forward that and we'll follow that up with um, with that Southwest Creek operation having a, a, um, an asset like that up in um, the largest um, bulk harbour in the world is um, quite a feat, and, and we got plenty of iron ore up there to put over it. So, iron ore—it's a foundation commodity. It's made the world's biggest miners the world's biggest miners, and there's a reason for that. If you—I um, mean, if you have a look at the price of iron ore today, I mean, we probably would be selling that ore today if it was running for about AUD dollars, about 120 bucks a ton. Um, and as we've said. Time and time again, I know you don't believe me, but um, no more than 40 AUD a tonne, we're on board a ship. Um, It's a little bit less than that. Um, And the capital on on Slow Iron, we will not overrun on the spend. I mean, I know everyone's waiting to say, finally, we're going to overrun. We're not. I mean, we've got that well on hand. So the um, government... Approvals, we got all the approvals done um, and I, I caught up with um, our Prime Minister um, the other night and congratulated them on what they've done. 11 months for all the on-so-iron approvals from the Federal Government and that they run hand-in-hand hand with our State Government. So record time. I know we moan and bitch a lot about the approvals but, I mean, the Government really got behind us on this one. They see the value in the project and what it's going to do for Australia. Um, so we've um, we've done well. Um, energy, as I said, look we've got a lot of gas, I mean we're going to do one of two things, Mark alluded to earlier, we're going to spend about 130 million bucks a year on uh, exploration and development wells in the Perth Basin and up in the Carnarvon Basin or we're going to spend about 40 million bucks this year and that'll be it, it'll be one of the two um, we've had some good discussion with the government we need to be able to export gas as LNG if we're going to go and pump a couple of billion dollars into development. So we can see a pathway in the Perth Basin now where we can probably get out to about 350 TJs a day of gas. Um, or, and that's with export approval, and if we're doing that, we need to be exporting about 200, at least 200 of those TJs, maybe 250, and then we can keep about 100 back for, for WA uh and we can also flex on that uh if we need to if we get down the track around 2030 where they're predicting there may be a shortage in WA we can flex on that we can help shore that up but we we've, we've had some good discussion with the government so far and um our government in WA has always been very commercially astute um they listen to industry um so we think that we're going to have some success along that line so um we're working towards that over the next few months That will be a big contributor to the business if we can um, bring that online. In the meantime, we're just doing a lot of work around seismics and and, um, stuff that we're doing up in the um, um, Carnarvon Basin, we're starting to get out. So really, I mean, that's sort of the story of the business and where it's heading. Um, Conclusion on all of that, we've got some great opportunities in front of us. The projects that we're building today um, are high return, as I said earlier we're going to get out to the end of next year. Our return on capital average over the last 17 years will be beyond 25%. Our total shareholder return to our shareholders, which is why you guys invest in us, um, we're running at about 33% now for um, 17 years. I can see that within the next two years, I can see that getting significantly higher than that. Um, As I said earlier, the business will double by the time we get to the end of next year, and that's simply through mining services, it's through Onslow Iron, it's through the lithium, and we'll keep growing the, uh, the lithium business. And then I expect sometime early next year we'll be starting, if we have success with the uh, government. Either way, we're either going to be building a small plant or a large plant in the gas. I mean, at the moment, we're heading towards a half-billion-dollar-a-year spend by the time we get so Iron in full production on diesel and we've got to get rid of that diesel. We've got to eliminate as much of that as we can, Um, and I want to do that primarily with with the gas. So if you just think about it like this, by the time we get to June next year, we'll have three trains running full steam at um, uh Mount Marion, Um, by the time we get to the end of this year, will be in um, full production. Uh, By the time we get to the end of next year, I'll be running at at least 25 million tonnes um, run rate coming out of Onslow, growing out to 35 and then to 40, um, and the mining services business would have doubled by then um, and we'll have we'll be able to enjoy that income. I think where I was going with Onslow Iron, if you think about selling a tonne of that for about 120 and you take away 40 to get it on a ship and then you take another 10 or 12. Let me think about that. Another 15 to get it into China. Whatever's left, time 35 is a good, healthy income. Beyond that, for the first, uh, so we've funded the whole project, so our partners owe us money, so 80% of their margin um, going forward comes back to MinRes uh, and to repay those um, the loans of building it. So our cash inflow out of Onso Iron is significant over the first. Um, couple of years and beyond. I mean, it's um, it's just a great long-term project. Um, as I said, the lithium, we'll, we'll probably announce train four um, later this year, and we probably want it. We want to have that built and coming online around about uh, 26 from memory. Uh, we've also started the approvals process on trains five and six, and we. Um, we're going to be a a major producer both in in spodumene and downstreaming. So funding, I mean, I hear some noise around our balance sheet occasionally. It drives me insane. We've been doing this. I started this business 31 and a half years ago. I started with $10,000 in the bank. Someone goes, I'm worried about your balance sheet. And you go, have you ever run a business? Do you actually understand what you're talking about? And I'm not being derogatory. It just... We know what we're doing. I'm not taking this business to the edge. I never have. I mean, our track record is pretty good. So I just can't stand here and tell you how I'm going to raise cash. But we know that. We have a very solid plan. I mean, I'd love to be able to tell you exactly what I'm going to do, but um, we can't until the time's right. And and you, you all know that. So you need to cut me a bit of slack. And, I mean, if anyone starts writing about my balance sheet again, I'm going to come after you in a nice way we got that. <laughs> so look, we've got, as Mark said earlier, I mean we've got a lot of headroom on our balance sheet if we want to go out and do something. The bond market in um, in the US loves us. Our bonds have performed well and the reason for that we perform well. I mean we deliver. We make a commitment and we deliver. I mean if we say we're going to do something we get it done. My only screw up, I run six months late on, on Mount Marion and I pay the price for that but You know, it is tough. I mean, I've got a lot of things happening right across four different pillars, both operating them and expanding them, and I'm bringing new stuff online that I haven't been able to share with you today, but we will when we get not too far down the track. So we've got lots of headroom to be able to go and raise money. What I said earlier, too, is when I was talking about some of the assets we've got out there, I mean, if we can get someone that can go and take a shareholding, a 49% shareholding in an asset... Um, and they want 8% return and I want 25 I think there's business there to be done and and we're going to do that, that sort of thing. I mean, I want to make um, our capital um, work a lot harder because I'll, I see a lot more opportunity out there where I can get 25 30% return and to do that, I need capital to do it. Um, as I said earlier, look, our, our return on invested capital and our total shareholder return, we're at the top of our game. I mean, we're in the top four or five on, on the ASX, and, and we're going to keep doing it. We're going to strengthen that. We're going to get better. We've got very, very solid plans inside the business. We know what we're doing. I've got a great management team, um, and I defy, I mean, we've had a, uh, a company out of Melbourne that's been going through our management team, and me included, and um, interviewing us and scoring us and looking at where our strengths and weaknesses are um, and scoring us amongst 7,500 um, companies nationally and internationally uh, we're at the top of the spectrum and I don't mean that in a nutcase way All right. but we've got a ama- pretty amazing management team they've got ownership of their business units um, they make life easier for me but I make it tough for them because we keep driving development and, and growth so you know, we, we've got some amazing tier 1 assets this um, Onslow Iron I mean there's billions of tonnes in that region and we've got the supply chain for it we're in the best mining jurisdiction in the world. I mean, we've got an amazing federal and, and state government that are very, very supportive of mining and development, uh, and we need to be. I mean, I, what I say to them is uh, with gas, by the time we get to 2050, it'll probably be outlawed. There'll be no more fossil fuel. But right now, we need gas as a transition fuel to get away from burning coal. That's step number one, and that's probably going to take 30 or 40 years to do that. We need to take a leaf out of, say, Norway's book, go sell the gas so we can bank the money and we can use that cash to move forward. Um, We've got great partners. Um, We've we've got a lot of JV partners in our business, and they're good partners. I mean, they go from the US to Korea to um, up to China and very shortly Japan, where we're partnering up with another great partner. Um, High-quality people, we're agile. I mean, we're focused uh, and we deliver. So... That's our our spiel for the day. I'm happy for uh, any questions that you might have. Hopefully you've got none.
1: Thanks, Chris and Mark. Um, If you're online, um, please lodge your question now. Um, But first, we'll start in the room. Um, If you can please state your name and affiliation and try and limit yourself to one question to start with and we'll come back round and give everyone a chance. Uh, So with that...
2: Morning, Chris, Mark and James, uh, Rahul and Anne Morgan Stanley. Uh, for my one question to start with, I um, just wanted to touch upon the iron ore business as it stands today. So you've got a bit of sustaining capex going in there at $225 million. Um, That's a fair bit of money. I wanted to understand, is that... How long do you get these operating costs as a return? Or is that basically, you know, just for the near term and then you sw- swap over into Onslow and then... Southwest Creek uh, in the future and, you know, like you've said, Iron Valley, perhaps, you know, Cat with Nine Lives, etc. You know, the costs are still high. Um, how should we think about that sustaining capital because it seems to have elevated? Thanks.
0: Okay, well, look, first, I mean, yeah, the Onslow Iron project is going to allow us to be a little more critical of what we got. I mean, I'm kind of, was talking to our guys a few weeks ago, I'm really falling out of love with the yield gun. Um, what I've said to them is my focus on that would be, uh, unless you can prove me wrong, I think it's got maximum three years' life left in it. So let's have a look at the capex we're spending and adjust it for that sort of life. Um, there's some aspiration down there for magnetite. Um, magnetite can be a 30, 40, 50 year business and it's, it's a greener um, deal. But I, I'd, look, if I had to guess, I'd say that we're gonna be out of the yield gun and we'll get a landing in the next couple of months. On the fact that I really don't want to spend too much more sustaining um, capital on that place. The north is a little different um, out at Iron Valley one one of those they're high costs at the moment because when we're moving dirt on the government roads we're, we're spending about 10 cents per tonne per kilometre so you know, you're getting up around 30 bucks a tonne to get that in whereas you know down at Onslow I'm five and a half. Um, once we get access onto the rail and we've got the Cape Carrier berth, the, all of those numbers change. So they're good long-term um, deposits. We've got a couple of hundred million tonne in those small deposits um, sitting out there. Um, and then we've got hundreds of millions of tonnes in other. So once I go on rail, I mean, but look, if something happened with the pricing, I'd turn them off. But... Uh, and the sustaining capital we're spending out there, there's, there's one out there that's more than likely going to get shut off at the end of this year anyway. So we're, we're focused on that. We've got the, the worst-case scenario that Mark's presented, uh, but we are looking at trimming that. You got anything to add to that, Mark?
1: Morning, Raoul. The, um, the other piece I would say is that the... Yeah, we, we've got a view that the iron ore price has got a bit of a floor under it. We don't subscribe to the consensus $80 sort of perspective. We've seen that tested over the course of this year. Um, we, we see every day, every month, um, how difficult it's becoming to operate in, in that space. Um, the opex through the through the industry has gone up significantly. I don't think the consensus figures are giving that sufficient credit. So. We do have a different view on iron ore pricing and that then drives a perhaps a slightly different way of thinking about what those mine lives could be. However, and this is a point I was trying to make earlier, we've got the flexibility to be able to pivot so if if we're wrong on that we can move quickly to to cap our exposure, right?
0: Yeah, we have. Look, up in the Yulga, out in the Yulga, and over the last sort of 12 or 14 months, we've sort of gone back to producing lump. Um, we have improved the quality of the ore down there. We're getting good branding out in the market. And we're also out there, we've, we're running um, marketing out of Singapore. And we are getting sort of different brands now up in China, we're getting much more focused on the end users. So there's a lot of improvement in that area. And they've done a lot of stuff too around the shipping so we're incrementally we've got inflationary pressure but we've also got some some smart people have done some really good stuff you'll see in the balance sheet
1: that the inventory number's grown a bit over the year um, not all of that's lithium part of that's iron ore it's given us that extra flexibility particularly in the south to be able to manage the product better and drive better realizations
3: Morning Chris. Morning Mark. It's Paul Young from Goldman Sachs. Uh, Chris, you, you mentioned at the beginning that this year is really a transitional year. You're um, investing heavily for growth, um, and I look at the um, that's reflected in the lithium unit cost guidance, which is remaining elevated. Can I just zone in a little bit on Matt Marion and the unit costs there? Um, you got production up 30% uh, in uh, in FY24. Um, unit costs aren't really coming down. I presume that's as you said because you're expensing the, the high strip. And you're aiming to get to sub 500 ton for both assets, which would be a great outcome. But just want to um, get some colour on Mount Marion. How how long will the cost stay elevated? Um, uh, Will it be into FY25, Mark? Um, Just trying to get some colour about the 30% increase in production yet unit costs aren't really coming down.
0: Yeah, Paul. I mean, where to start? I mean, it's it's complicated with the uh, these pits. We've just recently made a lot of changes to the plant because we've got multiple kinds of feed coming out of the pit now, um, unexpectedly. So we've changed the plant. The recoveries now is substantially better with the new plant that we brought online or the changes to it. So those costs are already starting to come down. But the, the main cost, I mean, and I'm gonna say, it's probably about 500 bucks a ton to move the the mountain. Um, so. Um, we we operated at Mount Marion around about 400 a ton when if we went back a few years ago um, we're probably going to go back to around it won't go back to 400 but it'll certainly be sub five um, and and I expect that that would happen the time we get around about November december so you know it, it's getting there look I, I get results daily results out of every plant and I mean just looking at what Mount Marion's done over the last couple of weeks it's really really trained it's almost got double the, um, the the lithium units coming out of it now compared to the um, the older plant and I shouldn't say the old plant but it was that configuration that we had so just to explain a bit more th- these plants I mean we're running um, a whole range of them. The, 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 the core of um, Wadgena is flotation um, dense media cyclone down around Mount Marion but then added to that we've got ore sorting going in there now we've got some flotation so from the minus one percent, we're losing a lot of product out of that, and the, because the ore body's changed. Um, the other thing we're going to do down at Mount Marion is, in the next month, I think we'll probably make a decision to go underground, and then in the, de, in the um, October quarter, we'll probably award a contract to go underground. It's about, I'm just guessing, I think it's something like about 35 million bucks for us to poke a drive underground so we can start access, accessing that ore down under the pit. So. I mean, will be open pit mining down there for the next 20 or 30 years, but just to have another ore source so that we can get that blend going into the plant is going to make a big difference as well.
1: Morning, Paul. I'll just add to that, Chris. Um, in terms of Marion, we, we saw the strip getting above 20 through FY23 at times, and, and whilst a lot of that gets capitalised... Um, it still carries additional cost in the operations through overhead and so on at site with all the um, level of activity that we've been managing there, the number of trucks and people and so on. As Chris said, by the end of this calendar year we're expecting to see um, cleaner feed through the, um, through the plant more consistently. I think you'll see that the costs have a bit of a trail on that, but certainly in the second half we expect them to come down.
4: Uh, great. Um, morning. Thanks very much. Lachlan Shaw from UBS. Uh, just moving to Wajina. Uh, look, it's great to see that the pre-strip is well and truly underway there. Uh, you've got the, the pathway through to getting train three up and running sustainably. But I guess sort of two questions. So can you just give us a little more insight around that pre-strip and I guess how we should think about timing and the mine plan coming into getting, getting full feed in front of the three trains And then just on the recoveries, you know, Chris, you spoke on on your introductory remarks about the recoveries There, you're doing work to start to try and sort of lift that towards that 70 to 80% level. Can you give us more colour in terms of what that work looks like and and the critical path perhaps ahead?
0: Yeah, sure. Look, I I mean, if you think about generally full feed for two trains by December this year, um, but in saying that, I mean, don't be surprised if we do better than that, but I'm seeing some um some really good days starting to come through consistently now, but for a budget purpose, start from December, full feed with, full fresh feed, and then a ramp up on train three is, it's a very conservative approach, but you know, I'd expect by March, April next year it'll be full blast, but allow out till June, um, and you'll be um, pretty safe. Recoveries. Any plant out there that's recovering up around 65% is sort of really at the top of its game of a, that none of them are doing any better than that. Um, for us to get to somewhere around 80%, that's an aim, and we're working through the uni and we've got a whole lot of... Uh, we've got a little team of excellence that we've put together. We're actually talking at the moment to um, some of the other hard rock producers in WA, and we're talking about pooling all of that information and working closely together to um, see if we can... Um, the ore bodies are all so different. partially to help and partially to share information but to get that, I wouldn't be counting on getting to 80% recovery in the next couple of years, it's it's a way off Um, no one's ever done it, but it is doable uh, and we're we're looking at a whole range of different um, ways of getting there Um, and it's not conventional so the plants we're using now would sort of half become obsolete if if we can make this system we're looking at work
5: Morning, Chris and Mark. It's uh, Matt Friedman from MST. Um, Chris, you said that your lithium strategy, you you make it up as you go along. I'm guessing that was at least mostly tongue-in-cheek. But I guess putting aside the debate over whether or not there's a sustainable margin in actually converting spodumene, can you talk through, I guess, the logic of where MIN has a competitive advantage in building a lithium converter in Southeast Asia? Uh, You talked extensively about uh, I guess the returns that Min's been able to generate over the years through scale, uh, through in-house expertise. How do those factors apply to a converter in Southeast Asia?
0: Well, if you wanted to build one, say, in Vietnam, uh, and Vietnam would be, is one of the countries we're studying, um, you can basically go and get the whole plant manufactured in China, drive it over the fence and, and build it for about... Now I'll I'll throw some numbers out there, but for about 300 million you can build 50,000 tonnes in China or beside China. Um, If we're going to build exactly that same plant, uh, we would still do the same. We'd go and, um, we would uh, manufacture it in um, China, chuck it on a boat, bring it out here, and by the time we do all the things we do, it's probably about a billion dollars. So that's the capital difference. Once you've got the plant operating, If you're operating in China, I'm going to go. It's probably in terms of just in terms of tax, taxes, VAT, corporate tax, all of those taxes. I'm going to go. It's 10% more expensive than in Australia. Um, The operating costs between there and here aren't that much different. I know that sounds great, but it's not. I mean, I'd rather operate a plant in China in terms of cost per annum, but it's just getting it built. So, if we can, we're looking for middle ground. So, if we can go and get. Fifty thousand tons of sulfate or phosphate on the ground here where we've got a product that we can ship um, anywhere in the world and finish it off in Europe or in uh, North America. It's got shelf life, it's got endless shelf life. Um, but if we could get something built for sort of five or six hundred million that would work for us because having it here you've got full control over it. It's a hundred percent Australian made. I mean and that's, that's what the, they want at the end of the game. We have had offers, as I said earlier. Um, they're willing to build hydroxide plants in Germany and, and um, the UK, and they've offered us free carry in uh, in the plants. So, if we go down, if we were to go down that path, we still want to own the product. They'll only be toll treating it for us, and we'd have some ownership of the plant. And when it comes out the back end, we'll have a deal with the OEMs. Morning, Matt. One thing I'd add: um, you shouldn't assume that we'd be doing
1: the erection and the affixing in different parts of South Southeast Asia. Doesn't mean we couldn't bring skills to bear, though, to help manage that process effectively. Morning, Chris. Morning, uh, Mark. come from RBC. Um, two questions, really, on iron ore. Uh, so, firstly, with Onslow, could you just confirm that um, there'll be no further spend for, F, for the remaining CAPEX in FY25. And also, <coughs> me, uh, and also uh, with iron ore costs, uh, just wondering um, the, the write-down for the iron ore assets.
0: Was that really around the product strategy of better grade? Thanks. No, that was um, the write down. That was um, our auditors decided to write it down. They figured out they knew the price better than we did and um, it's just the rules that we got to operate by. If we're an ASX 100 company, we probably wouldn't have done it. Um, the thing that really annoyed me is that we didn't even get a tax deduction for it. It's a total nothing. Um, didn't cost any cash, but we didn't get any value. Um, what was the other party question? Are you asking me if I'm going to overrun the budget on... Capex. Is no, that, I think I think,
1: I think the the answer is there's a little bit of capex that drifts into FY25, uh, FY25, but not much. Yeah.
0: So they've got some of the um, a couple of things that'll happen. So at the mine site in around June, we'll be still loading the road trains with um, um, front end loaders, and, and this is part of the supply chain thing. It, it's one of the um, big contra manufacturers we've used for 20 years, and they let us know a few weeks ago they kind of got the timing wrong on our truck loadout so we'll be loading the road trains with front end loaders it's about a 50 cent a ton cost um, so that will be getting installed and then there'll be non-process infrastructure shits and bits so you know it, there might be say there's a hundred million to spend something that's not, not a heap of beans it used to be a lot but it's not anymore.
1: Just in terms of the audit and the, um, and the impairment, the, the financial set out the key assumptions that we took in reaching the decision to impair. Um, you'll see in there, average average price was about $91. Um, so essentially, we get a landing on the on the price curve, and then we draw up a, a life of mine plan for that price curve. That in this case, shortens life, particularly with the higher costs, which, which drives the impairment.
3: Hi, Chris. Mark, it's Glenn Lawcock with Baron Joey. Um, I know it's 18 months away, you said, before you start committing capital to South Creek, but just a couple of questions around that. One, just the progress you're having on how it will evolve. You know, we talked about this, I think, 12-plus months ago. you have probably best to tie it up with the existing Roy Hill Bursts, you'll get better capacity, better capital intensity. So just wondering how talks are going between, I assume Gina's happy to do it, but Hmm. I wonder how the government's talks are going. And then secondly, any thoughts you can share around the capital intensity of South West Creek, or is it too early?
0: Thanks. Uh, Okay, where do we start with that? Look, Gina is certainly very happy. I mean, we're kind of committed to wanting to do it. Um, we've got till December 31 to get to FID with the government, and it, it's simply that we get to FID. Um, we've got work to do in between the things that concern me: um, the change of the um, um, the indigenous, um, what would we call it, the, the new rules that they brought into play that went from August to the end of, um, end of sorry July to, in August. Um, they're now gone. They were a significant concern. We had some serious issues happening around our sites very, very quickly. Um, So I wanted to understand how that was going to impact. Um, We've got to make sure that we've got a spur line that we've got to run out to one of the mines. And all of those are impacted by native title. It's sort of a a, a no-man's land at the moment. Everyone's too scared to do anything, particularly government departments. So... um, we're, we're still trying to get our feet on the ground. That is probably the single biggest issue that um, that we've got. And then beyond that, we're doing all the normal stuff you do around making sure that we, we've nailed down what the capital costs are. Um, the intent I wouldn't want to guess on the spend at the moment. I mean, we're just building the transshipping berth down at Onslow. Gone extremely well. I mean, we've got it done for a bit less than we expected. Got the dredging done for a bit less. I mean, that, that's... The project's going well. So that experience, is we're going to translate that up to um, birth three. I mean, there's been a lot of berths built in that inner harbour in Port Hedland, so there's no science to it. We know the ground conditions. Um, but we, we think we can shave some significant capital off where we thought we were at. But I, I think by the time we get, to, look, maybe to the AGM, I might be able to have some, I, I just don't have the information and sometimes my guesses get a bit wild.
1: (laughs) Um, We might just check the virtual world. Moderator, could you just see if there are any questions online, please?
6: Thank you, James. For those attending virtually, if you've not yet submitted your text question or joined the live audio queue, please do so now. To ask a live audio question, press the Request to Speak button at the bottom of the broadcast window and follow the on-screen prompts. If you have any issues asking a question via the web, a backup phone line is available. Dial-in details can be found on the Request to Speak page or on the Home tab under Asking Audio Questions. I will introduce each caller by name and ask you to go ahead. You will then hear a beep indicating your microphone is live. Our first online question today comes from Robert Stein from CLSA. Robert, please go ahead after the beep. Uh,
7: thanks, Tim, for the opportunity. A um, uh, question on optionality, which you, um, which you talked about in the presentation, and um, this isn't a critique of the balance sheet, more uh, trying to understand the options that you have available. The infrastructure assets according to Onslow, in terms of any potential infrastructure sell-downs or, um, or cap- recycling capital investing in that project with an infrastructure partner, what are the main sort of toll gates that you would expect to, uh, to hit uh, when to uh, crystallise that opportunity?
0: What are the what?
1: I think, hi, Robert. I think the question was... Sorry, it was a little bit muffled, but I think the question was, as we think about uh, recycling in the balance sheet, particularly with Onslow, what are the key um, gating items we consider in terms of
0: whether we go down that path or not? It's just a money thing.
1: That's right, yeah. It is.
0: Um, it's simply, look, um, we, we, can, um, we can bring in partners, minor partners that will put in capital to have that 30-, 40-, 50-year annuity stream, um, and we can take the capital and um, go recycle it and do 20-, um, 25% return. Um, and it appears there's a fair old number of them out
6: there that want to do it. Thank you. Our next question today comes from Ben Lyons from Jardine. Ben, please go ahead after the beat.
1: Uh, good morning,
7: everyone. Um, temptation to ask the balance sheet question, of course, Chris, but I'll resist the temptation and, and go instead to the upstream lithium part of the business. Just note that you spent over $200 bucks on listed investments during the year, and that preceded the recent acquisition of a substantial stake in Delta Lithium. So I was hoping you can elaborate on your strategy here. Obviously, Mount Ida is proximal to Mount Marion, but the grade that will be coming out of that deposit looks way lower than the sort of 1.5 that you're getting out of Marion. So it's hard to see any DSO ever actually displacing whatever you can pull from the ground at Marion. So what's your strategy with Delta Lithium and if you can elaborate on your broader investment strategy? Thank you.
0: Yeah, Ben, thanks for staying away from the balance sheet. Good to hear from you. Um, we do, look, I, I have got a, a very clear strategy on what we're doing down in that whole region. Um, obviously, with um, Delta, um, we liked the dirt, particularly up in the, um, the um, gas upper gastro in Murchison region. Um, but we have also got a strategy on um, what we're doing with the land down in that, that whole region around Mount Marion. I can't really share it at the moment because if I do, I'm just sharing it with our competitors and they're going to try and copy me, um, but I promise that within the next couple of weeks uh, we'll be able to shine a light on it, maybe even sooner than that. we'll We'll be coming out with some announcements maybe towards the end of this week, but I just not in a position to be able to do it right now, but it will—I promise—it will make sense, and um,
6: will mainly make sense. Thank you. There are no further questions online at this time, so I'll hand back to the room.
8: Hi. Good morning, Mark and Chris, Kate McClatchon at City. We haven't had a question on gas yet, so let me go there. I just wanted to clarify your earlier questions. Are you saying that without uh, some kind of assurance for export of 200 to 250 terajoules a day, you would not look to do gas or you would purely look to do a smaller plant just for your internal needs? And then secondly, given gas is somewhat of a different ball game, just your conviction and tools that you're using to ensure comfort on developing a gas
0: project. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, To go build out 250 to 350 TJs of gas a day production, um, we're probably getting up there $1.5 to $2 billion. If we're exporting it for LNG, there's a... Um, a fairly known price, we can go out and lock away a price. In WA in the domestic gas plant, uh, you can't. So what we've got out there is we've got the, the multinationals, that I call them, um, trying to screw over the juniors, that's us. So their expectation is that they're really pushing the government to have the gas producers in WA put as much gas in the market as they can so they can get the price from, say, $10 a down to three or four dollars. If that happens, I mean, we have no security in being able to put that sort of capital in. So if we're running on um, exporting, um, then we've got absolute surety of supply and we can do more. So WA gets more gas out of us if they give us surety in the investment. So if I can't get that, I'm gonna build about a 50 TJ a day plant. And that means that there's probably 30 for Minres and 20 for the local market. And it'll still give um, a return, but it'll seriously save us a lot of um, spend on our on our uh, fuel. Um, if they go the other way, I can probably pump at least 100 TJs into the local market for a long, long time. So it's really simple, but I have the security to spend the cash. What was the other part of your question? Uh, the children you get the kind of oh, do I know how to build a gas pump? Okay. okay, so... I cut my teeth on gas back in the early days, so I spent quite a bit of time up in Caratherin. was up there with Woodside on the development of that. Um, how else can I give you confidence? Um, it's not uncommon, these sort of plants we're talking about, um, and if we really get stuck, we do it. We always do. We just Google it and we figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. It's actually Chad GPT these days,
1: but anyway... <laughs> Um, I, I think the other piece, which, which is which is happening now, is that we're partnering with the right organisations to help through the through the design phase, and as we think about moving in towards um, delivery and then pre-commissioning and commissioning. So,
0: and, and we've got a um, a Canadian petrochemical company on board that we've engaged, engineering.
2: Hi again, uh, Rahul and uh, Morgan Stanley again. Look, um, I wanted to come back uh, with a second on Wajina. You you have a slide there, uh, slide 26, where you've talked about train four, five and six in the future. And, you know, thanks for the estimates around the the train-related CAPEX. Now, uh, I think everyone in this room appreciates the fact that, you know, there's a lot that goes into developing the mine and infrastructure required to feed these plants, So, can you give us a bit of an indication as to how much development uh, would be required in terms of the mine, the extra infrastructure that you require to feed that train for, over and above that
0: capex that you're talking about on that slide? Okay, so when we designed the existing plant, um, it was designed with four trains. Most of the civil work has happened for train four, so we've got the bed that we're going to lie it in. What we want to do is We want to get five and six underway and the approvals as well, and we're going to start prepping the ground for five and six. But there's not a lot. I mean, all of the non process infrastructures in place, like the power stations there, the water's there, um, it was all really designed. I mean, if I owned 100% of it, I probably would have had train four coming online about now. So my intention was to build it a lot quicker. Um, we're doing all that now. So once we get the top off the mountain... It we're there. So, yeah, we, we don't have a repeat of this. I mean, this is a once-off. And then, um, if you want to think about 5 6, is there any sort of estimate want to provide today? Or
2: different...
0: No, look, it's largely going to be in line with what we're doing around 4. It's not going to be a whole lot of difference. I mean, we're kind of expecting the um, this inflation to start backing off a little bit. I mean, the, the costs have been going up for... A, well, probably about three years now. I really judge that on um, our Big Mac is, um the Caterpillar parts. I mean, they come through fairly regularly at the moment, and um, they're starting to back off a little bit. I don't think... Look, there's this, this going to be for five and six. There'll be a bit of non-process infrastructure, but, I mean, we've pretty much got everything. I mean, the camp will grow, of course, um, but not a whole lot. You don't need a whole lot of people to run these trains. Um I am definitely going to spend money on the um, the camp. We're turning all of our camps right across the business into resorts. So just to give you a few scary numbers on that, the um, typical camp, 250-man camp, is about 50, 55 million we can get them built for. These resorts, we're building about 140 million. That's the difference. Why do we do that? Because we need to add um, three to 4,000 more people over the next... Um, 18 months to two years we need good quality people. The other thing we need to do is we need to get these th- we need to change the way we're doing it. Building these camps um, doesn't work anymore because we're getting mental health issues. We've got a lot of blokes that get into the wet mess and they, um, they become inappropriate with their behaviour. so we're trying to turn them into communities. Our big focus is getting a lot more women into our workforce. Um, they're high quality, the women that we've got now, they're better dump truck drivers, they're better at a whole lot of different things but it's an untapped workforce and we've got to move forward and get women um, much more involved in our business. To do that we've got to have an environment where they're safe and they're, um, to do that I want to have couples so every room will be capable of it. It'll have a queen size bin and it's got a kitchenette, um, big screen TV lounge, um, barbecue on the balcony, laundry, beautiful ensuite. and I've got about four of them sitting in our car park um, um, in Perth so if, if anyone's over there they're welcome to have a look but it's like literally like going into the Cable Beach Resort Olympic pool, anything on the coast so the one I'm building and on so right now it's going to have a daycare for 70 kids because they want to be able to hire the local mums and they need somewhere safe to put the kids we're really changing the way we're doing things, we're trying to really create communities, I'm building houses and on so I've got 10 uh, underway right now, and I'm going to keep building houses and get people residential because, I mean, how do I pay for all that? If I've got a, I'll have a high quality workforce. We've got them lining up, wanting to come and work for us because of the conditions that we're putting them at, unheard of in the mining industry, um, and they trust us to be able to deliver that. So, I'll get another. I mean, th- this is a. On day one, it's a 20 million tonne project. I'm at 35 on this thing now. And when I go 35 to 40, I'm just going to squeeze the assets and we'll get there. Um, It's cheap, what I'm doing. Don't go and write all that. Just behave with your pen. Morning. Matt Friedman
5: from MST again. Um, While we're talking about uh, Onslow, it's clear that there's going to be no CapEx overrun. um, But on OPEX... uh, a ton I don't think that's been updated since you FID the project um, despite a backdrop of cost inflation in the industry you know including some cost inflation that's led to that impairment at your other iron ore assets so I guess the question is is forty dollars a ton still the right number um, you know what what's gone up since that FID and, and where have you been able to save in other areas to get back to that forty dollars a ton and also, is $40 a tonne the number at 35 million tonnes per annum, or is it the number at 50 million tonnes per annum, or, yeah, what's the flex <laughs> in between?
0: No, there is no there is no um, sliding doors or windows and mirrors here, I can tell you. The um, $40 is still the number. I mean, it's the number at 35 ton run rate, and it's probably the number at 30. I mean, when we give you those sort of numbers, uh, no secret, we build a little bit of fat in there just to make sure we don't look silly. But, yeah, it... Um, will have change at 35 million ton run rate. Um, when we get to go from 35 to 40, we've got a few things, so I've got to chuck in another lay by berth for the um, the shippers. So that means that I'll have a trans shipper parked in a lay by berth, and when the um, the loaded transhipper moves out, it'll slide straight in behind. So, I mean, I've probably got to spend, I'm thinking maybe I might have to throw another 50 or 60 million at the thing to to go to there, but that I also need that to go from 40 to 50 million tonnes. Um, the other thing to remember too is that that $40 a tonne has got my little incremental mining services charges sitting in there and we make a smidge of each one of those. And we've never made that public how much those margins are. And we're not going to do this time.
4: Uh, Lachlan Shore, UBS. um, Once more, thanks again, Chris and Mark, for the second question. So just another um, following on from the last question on Onslow, going to 40 to 50 million tonnes. Can you talk to, um, is that within current approved uh, resource reserve mine plan um, and specifically around native title, um, getting the mine plan into and, and approved to
0: allow that expansion? Thank you. Yes, yeah, so the, the 35 to 40 million tonnes sits well within um, all our approvals um, that we've got, so it's all in the Cairnsmore region. Um, to go out to um, uh, 50 million tonnes, we're heading 170 Ks further east, so there's another joint venture-owned asset out there. It sits at about 61% FE, so we want to bring that into the mix, and obviously we blend that through. We're going to blend that through at about 4 to 1% and it really sort of, it almost puts a six in front of everything we're selling, so that makes it pretty attractive. Um, But then of course when we do that, I've got another piece of road to build, and I'm really getting to love these roads, I want to, I don't want to build anything near the coast anymore. Um, I think,
1: sorry, um, Lachlan, just one one point on that, Um, it's an interesting question because you're highlighting the optionality that sits in the business, right, but also, the other piece is the um, the planning and the approvals is is far more complex today than it was 12 months ago or 18 months ago. And so there's a huge amount of effort going into the business to make sure we're trying to anticipate where we're going to need to be five, 10 years down the track, and make sure we get in front of it now. That's that's it's a live conversation every day.
0: I think too, just to highlight on these approvals, so. Um, the Federal Government absolutely bent over backwards to help us get this project going. Mean, Eleven months is a kind of a record, and, and the State Government, were just all over it. They have people specifically appointed to make sure that we can get them done as efficiently as we possibly can. Um, the other thing that did happen as well, it's probably not overly public, is when we hit the North West Highway heading towards Onslow for about 17 k's from there into Onslow. The main roads, first time they've ever done it, they give up the easement on the top side of the road so we can put our whole road down the main road's easement, which just give us a direct line straight into town. Everything was approved. Those opportunities now, I mean, they're incredibly happy. They actually charge us a rent for it, but um, they're happy with the outcome on that because what we're doing is we're getting big trucks off the highway, um, and they love that. So if we can dual carriage those right-of-ways, it's one of the ways we'll be moving forward.
4: Uh, Chris and Mark, uh, thank you very much for the question Mitch, Rodden from Jefferies um, You started to talk to um, within the mining services some of the, your, your, um, the growth opportunities with inside Queensland
0: i uh, just wondering if you can talk to the size and scope and timing of, of those opportunities um, They're working on them now I mean, I, I think it'll happen within the next six months um, They look real, I mean, and most of these sort of opportunities we do are by negotiation. I mean, we're a little bit like like McDonald's. I mean, we, we charge the same amount for our crushing. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad times. Um, we're well known that um, we flatline on, on what our charges are. The same with these big trucks that we're building. I mean, they're, they're attracting a lot of attention. We've got, um, I think we've got about something like 25 of them out there on long-term work now, which we never expected. Um, we actually went in for one of our clients, that had a major breakdown on... Um, on one of their um, big conveyors, overland conveyors, and I think within about 72 hours we're moving 20,000 tonne a shift, which is, you know, unheard of. But, I mean, those are the sorts of things that we can do now. So, look, I, I think between now and Christmas it'll evolve, and we'll probably have some news for the time we get to Christmas, but some of them, they're slow to react, but these are, are long-term sticky-type contracts. But that will happen quickly. Mitch,
1: I'd add add to that, um, and we've talked about it, and it's sounding a bit like a broken record, that the, um, the challenges that the larger players are facing in terms of their operations, they don't have the agility that they need to be able to pivot at short notice. There aren't that many alternatives for them. We've got great relationships. We've got the safety track record, which is important to get on the site in the first place. And as Chris said earlier, we're establishing a very strong track record with particularly these large jumbo haulage solutions, which the clients love because it gives them all sorts of options to be able to rethink the way they operate, which they didn't have a year or two years ago. Operator, could we please go back to the lines and just see if there are any other questions, please?
6: Thank you very much. The next online question comes from Anthony Cavana from Chester Asset Management. Anthony, please go ahead after the beat.
7: G'day, Chris. G'day, Mark. Mark um, just a point of clarification on the Onslow infrastructure um, arrangement that you've got with the $7.74 tolling charge. So 12 months ago, you stated that it's a real price subject to inflation. Um, that comment was obviously stated of June 2023, and we've had a fair bit of inflation since then. I just wanted to clarify it's 7.74 when, I guess, production starts and not 7.74 at 3rd of June 2023. That's the first question. And and the follow-up is just that if you go under 50 million tonnes, I presume that the incremental 15 or 20 million tonnes on top of the original project is also subject to the same charge.
1: So, Anthony, it's Mark Wilson here. The... Um... The answer is that it was 774 when the contracts were signed, so it's been escalating since. So, it, you know, rough, rough estimate is eight dollars or thereabouts now, um, maybe just a tad over. Eight twenty-three. Eight twenty-three. There you go. It's very roughly est- estimate. <laughs> estimate. <laughs> uh, in terms of the in terms of the usage, we've, we've struck an agreement for effectively MineGate to ship for the existing development at Kinsborough and its surrounds. So anything that we do beyond that, going forward into the future, we'll we'll rethink. I mean, that infrastructure, this is one of the points we're trying to help people understand, that infrastructure that we've developed, or are developing, is very strategic in its nature, in a region with billions of tonnes of stranded assets. So we will look to use that infrastructure to release value and optimise that value for MinRear
6: shareholders. Our next online question comes from Robert Stein, CLSA. Robert, please go ahead after the beat.
7: Hi, sorry. Just another question from me. Um, You announced to the market a couple of weeks ago the Binding Solutions um, investment. I was just wondering, what's the thinking around that investment? Is it to... Uh, use it t- to increase the VIU of your onflow product um, by potentially aggregating a lump of product or is it merely a long term option on your, uh, on your potential magnetite production that you have um, damped out?
0: Yeah, all of the above. Um, so going forward, I mean, there's, there's just a great range of opportunities. It's basically just um, using binders, um, cold pressing with binders. Um, the, the product that's been produced is probably two and a half times harder than it needs to be, but our aim is... I mean, the initial focus was on magnetite. Um, there's literally hundreds of millions of tonnes of low-grade ore lying around the Pilbara that if you ground it up a little bit and you get some of the gang out of it, you can upgrade it into the sixes. Um, but then you need to be able, Environmentally, you want to be able to bind it. Um, lithium goes out... Um, of our sites, I mean it's ground down to bug dust um, and it goes out with about 12-13% moisture if we bind it um, it'll go out with zero moisture and it'll be a high quality product feed Um, we're doing a lot of scientific work and lab work around um, a number of the tail dams around Australia and again those are micro size but um, there's a whole range of different products in those dams and we've had some very very good success on being able to get the separation we need, but again, to make that product um, saleable or shiploadable, um, you've got to be able to get it into a form where you can handle it without causing any environmental issues, so there's endless opportunity for it, and um, we come across this product and we're quite astounded at how the quality of what they're doing, so our aim with that is we're going to build a fairly large demo plant down south of Perth in Quinana and then start putting a range of products through it. And, We'd like to be able to get it to a point where we can send some of the stuff over to the mills in China and even Japan and Korea.
6: There are no further questions online at this time.
1: G'day, Chris. Mark, uh, come from RVC again. Um, Just a quick one, uh, maybe to build on that. Just the... the, You talked about tailings processing. Uh, Maybe if you can expand on that, if that's
0: mainly around customers' tailings or the tailings from your own operations. Thanks. Uh, no, most of it's um, um, customers or opportunities that are sitting out there. Um, there's a number of them and they're literally spread around Australia and there's a whole lot of different types of metals from, you know, alumina and copper and, and um, if you have a look at what's actually contained in those tails dams I mean you have a look in our own tails dams, we've got from the old days when Sanzigualia were running Wajina um, extracting tantalum, they put 100% of the lithium in the tails dams so we've got 22 million tonnes up there grading 1.1. So you know that's better than almost better than a core lithium's got. So all, all we need to do, and, and the work's done, it's ground. So all we need to do is figure out how to extract it. But um, we won't be doing it through the existing plant because we're putting head grade in. I mean, I was looking the other day. We're putting in 1.8, 1.7%. We're putting into wadjana and you know we're sucking out 2,000 tonne a day. So I mean, it needs to be a special plant for it. And, and the other there's a couple of other processes that we're actually looking at um one with a little company called lithium australia um, so we've invested fairly heavily about four and a half million dollars into this process so far and we're just building a little pilot plant but if that works it'll be um it'll be a bonanza so that'll be we'd, we'll do one day we'll do something separate up at wadgen up we'll, um, and we'll, we'll process those tails but we're also putting other tails in there now and, you know, we're probably averaging like 0.8% head rate going into the tail stand, so one day we'll go back and get all those as well, but it's just how many things we can do at once.
3: Chris and Mark, follow-up question, Pulling you off from Goldman Sachs. Um, covered most of the ground, but just want to talk about mining services volumes um, with respect to just trying to work out why we're only seeing a 10 increase in in volumes in, in 24 and where... You've signed six new contracts, you've renewed four, you're probably getting some volumes from Ashburton um, in the June quarter of next year because the project's on track. I know that, and also you also mentioned some of these crushes, next gen's, you know, of course, a 15 million tonne per unit plant. So um, just try to square away, you know, why need the 10% increase? Or maybe you can talk about what the exit run rate might be
0: in the, in the June half next year, please. They're not going to happen. Instantly, Paul, they take a little bit of time. So a couple of them, there's two contracts that we got early in the year. One's, um, one's 15, one's 10, so it adds another 25. Um, they're working on getting those plants um, built at the moment. And then generally we'll always have one or two sitting in the yard. If we got them in the yard, it's about 90 to 120 days. we got them on site and we're doing 15 million done. Um, so it's probably going to take, I'm going to go six to nine months before you really see some of that evolve. Some of those are also the big jumbo trucks, so um, we've actually, we're actually building them about as quick as we can. So right now, I mean, we're building prime movers, we're building all of those trailers. So to get up, we're hitting up by the end of next year to about 200 of those big jumbo triples. Um, I think they're about a million and a quarter bucks a hit. Um, prime movers get assembled in Melbourne and all the rest are built in Perth. Um, we're busy, we've got a lot happening. Thanks. And just lastly, Chris, uh, the Brazilian opportunity the mention six months ago, is that still there? I've walked away from it. I mean, they, they dearly wanted us to go there. Um, it's just we've got so much opportunity sitting here right now. I mean, getting the equipment is the issue. So if I had have went down to um, to Ballet, I would have had to turn down some of the local jobs to do that. Um, and, I mean, I like what I'm doing. When I can get at a site and back in a day, I mean, we've got total control over it when we're down there. And I've got to admit, I did get a little bit nervous. I haven't been in South America before, and um, I've had a few friends over the last 25 years that have been down there and kind of come back um, a little scorched. So i not quite... I mean, if I wasn't as busy here, I would have given it a shot because they're, they're good people, no doubt about that, and they'd be a great client to work with. But um, I just don't have the horsepower at the moment. I know that
1: there will be some that
0: find that hard to believe, right, because it always feels like there's
1: so many different things happening, but we do say no quite a lot. And, yeah, that's a, that's a really good example because it's a great client. They knew we could bring real value to them. We knew we could bring real value to them. But at the end of the day, even though the margins were going to be strong, the risk return wasn't right. We'll take our last question. Kate, okay. nothing last.
8: Perfect. Thank you, Mark and Chris. A uh, question on the tolling strategy at Marion. If you can ink a tolling contract for less than $6,000 a tonne today, what's the rationale for not tolling product today? Are the margins not there with the chemicals or you can get a better mean price and comments there? And then secondly, customer appetite to take the lower-grade product from Marion. Any colour on what you're seeing there?
0: No, look, it's, it, it's just maths. So you need about 8 tonne of um, of uh, spod to make a tonne of hydroxide and if you're selling that for around about $3,500 a tonne and then the end product is about $30,000 a tonne it's just not worth going there. So what happens is the hydroxide price has come off way quicker than the spod price. Um, there's always a bit of demand for um, strong demand for spod because they've got all those converter plants in China they're forever chasing um, product for. So it's just that one come off quicker than the other, it'll turn around. Uh, when it turns around, I mean, we're, we're tolling in China now with all, all our wadjana dirt that goes over there. None of it has ever gone to an Albemarle plant. It's always gone to toll treaters <coughs> and managed by Albemarle. Um, and if you think about it, there's probably, there's 800,000 tonnes that should be getting tolled at Kwinana with Tianchi and down at Kemerton with Albemarle. And those plants haven't come online, so they've got the dirt for them, all coming out of green bushes. There's 800,000 tonne heading out there that should be in Perth getting toll treated. So um, eventually one day, certainly the old Mole plant is starting to work pretty well. Um, that, that'll come out of China and it'll free up those converters. But there's converters out there now with lots of capacity.
8: And Appetite for Customers to take the 3% portion of the Mount Marion concentrate?
0: Oh, lots of
8: happy buyers.
0: Plenty, plenty. Gangfang love it. I mean, I mean you can, Gangfang are a great converter. I mean, you can literally give them gravel off the side of the road and they'll turn it into hydroxide. They're, they're good converters, um, but they know how to deal with it. It's basically doing what you do with iron ore. You have a whole range of different products from around the world, and... Um, and you blend it. And if you can get that blending right, I mean, that's how they make a, an extra kicker out of it. But it's it's good um, coarse grain material. All we're doing to do that, we're just going further down. Normally that would go to tails, and we're just going further down and scavenging that in, and making a product out of it, that, and we get pretty good money for it. I think we're done. I think James is going to wind us up, Are you? Hold done. OK, Thanks well, I right. appreciate it's all coming. Thanks very much. Um, we are going to do better on making sure that we don't uh, tell you we're going to do one thing and, uh, and then not produce. So um, we're certainly... Look, I just want to reiterate again with, with our balance sheet. We know what we're doing. We have a plan. Um, we've got plenty of capital sitting out there we can get. Um, I am not going to issue shares. I've never issued shares. I'm not watering our shareholders down. It's not their responsibility to fund our growth. Um, as a management team we will do that and uh, we're not going to go out and um, raise money off your shareholders uh, but we have right now, um, we have got three separate opportunities that's going to bring capital in this calendar year and I've got another couple that'll bring it in in the second half of this financial year uh, and when you read about it you'll be happy so um, I'm going to have my problem and I guarantee you i get to the end of June next year and you're going to what are you doing with all that cash? You want to pay a, a special dividend? So thanks everyone for coming and we'll keep doing what we always do.